Welcome to episode 191 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord, a podcaster from the distant future of 2462, where every being on the planet has a podcast. I've traveled back in time with my faithful robot sidekick, Cameron Dexter, a.k.a. Dex, to the year 2012, where podcasts have only just been added to iTunes to seek fame and fortune as the first ever person to make a podcast all about pop culture. And what better place to start than Bruce Timm's definitive retelling of DC Comics? Wait, what's that? Uh-huh. Oh. Oh. Um, <clears throat> uh, so sorry, listeners. Uh, Dex has just informed me that we messed up and landed in the year 2021. And what? Oh, uh, every podcast has already been done. Even the DCAU. And they're better than this one. Shit. Well, at least we arrive before the near apocalypse of 2028. So until then, we'll continue to be the greatest podcast never heard. And what better place to start than the time-traveling hero Booster Gold's classic Justice League Unlimited episode, The Greatest Story Never Told. And I'm Skeets. (laughs) I do like the idea, Chris, that... You just do a full podcast episode and my mic is just not on. Wait, have I just accidentally created a way for me to do even more work and you to do even less? Why? Well, well, I think it'd be pretty easy for you because you just turn off one of the audio files. Oh, yeah, that's true. It'd be much easier to edit, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> but that would require me to know how to riff for like an hour and a half. That's true. And I spent a lot of time. No, writing. no, I'd still be here. You're so- you would just turn off my I audio just turn track. off the mic. Just long stretches of silence. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest. It took me a long time to, to write this intro. Clearly, I, I can so, see it. I probably should have spent more time actually like making notes on the episodes. No, no, no. no. As, as the certified skeet of this episode, <laughs> of this podcast from now on, apparently. I don't know how I adopted this role. When I, mean, I did such a good job for the past five years creating the persona of someone who just doesn't care. Well, that's not true. Skeet, Skeet cares a lot. Skeet's super helpful. He's very upbeat and positive. Yeah. You're a great Skeet. I am now, because <laughs> I know things. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't. There's no Greek mythology in this episode. It shouldn't be my episode. That's absolutely true. You have nothing to contribute this time. Oh, but I do. Oh, good. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I've, I think I've worn you down now. You actually come prepared, which is great. Yes. Thank God, because I, I didn't really take good notes on any of the rest of this stuff. Okay. Well, I also just like learning about all the new heroes. That's true. Yeah, we get some fun ones in here. Um, but yeah, And some wrongfully chosen ones. I will get into Ooh, momentarily. Oh boy. All right. Well, uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, the Justice League Unlimited episode, The Greatest Story Never Told, and we're also going to be talking about uh, the return of the great Amazo in the return yes uh but should we go ahead and just dive straight on into the greatest story never told let's jump on in it man all right so i oh shit um i I forgot (laughs) i again i spent so much time writing this uh this this prologue i forgot to write out plot synopses for the two episodes i'm under the impression you didn't even watch these episodes (laughs) and you just wrote the plot that that intro (laughs) i i did maybe fall asleep while watching the second one because i was a little drunk and then woke up and was like, oh, I got to finish these. Hey, we're, we're blazing a trail here, man. <laughs> Professionalism at its best. Yeah. So, all right. Let me see if I can uh, <clears throat> do this just off the top of my head. So, all right. The greatest story never told. So in this one, we meet uh, 
Booster Gold, who's a Just League member, who is tired of kind of being ignored for what he sees as his his greatness. Um, and he's not getting the sort of fame and fortune that he sought out when he came to this century from the year 2462, as previously mentioned. Um, and so when he's frustrated by being sidelined, he goes and asks Jean to like put him in the forefront of a mission. And right when that happens, uh, the wizard Mordru? Mordru, yes. Mordru. He's one of the uh, agents of chaos. Uh, okay, that makes sense. So he is basically uh, attacking Metropolis and things are going crazy. So the League sends down pretty much every single member they have to confront Mordru. And then Jean begrudgingly lets Booster Gold come along where he's immediately assigned to do crowd control. But while he's assigned to that task, uh, in the chaos around Mordru, a star lab scientist somehow accidentally combined with a black hole and is now going around Metropolis, like sucking in just various pieces of matter and eventually hit critical mass and explode and like wipe out the whole world. Oh, the whole galaxy. The whole galaxy. Okay. Yeah. So Mordru is a is a planetary threat. Right. This is a galactic threat. Yes. So it's it's the the bigger threat is kind of happening in the background. Well, I guess, no, the bigger threat is happening in the foreground of this episode, but to no one else's awareness. Yes. Yes. A full sector, Green Lantern's job, <laughs> continuing to not do it. Continuing to not do it. And I, I think, I don't know if this episode is specifically modeled on an episode of Buffy, or if they're both just a, a like a TV trope through see it happen every once in a while. But there's an episode of Buffy called The Zeppo, which focuses on Xander, who's kind of one of the sidekicks. And while Buffy and the rest of the team are, are again, kind of like this, dealing with some sort of bigger, crazier threat, he has his own kind of mission where, you know, the stakes get crazy high and he has to deal with it all on his own. Um, and I guess it's named after Zeppo Marx, who was kind of like the lesser of the Marx brothers. Okay. I don't know. In The Simpsons, uh -huh. is Zeppo the name of the puppet that replaces Krusty or is it Zappo? Oh, that's ooh, that's a good question. I don't know actually. Because it's the like Zeppo, 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 Zeppo's coming. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Who's Zeppo?" And the whole crowd, like the whole town, just goes crazy for it. It's I think it it's, could, it probably is Zeppo. It's probably named after again Zeppo Marx. Um, I've never actually seen a Marx Brothers movie. I don't think I have either. Well, we should watch Duck Soup sometime, maybe. We'll do a bonus episode on it. Okay. No one will listen. It'll be great. After we do all of the other bonus episodes. All the other bonus episodes that keep threatening. Um. But yeah, so in essence, Booster has this crazy mission and he gets no support from the League because anytime he tries to ask... Gabbo. Gabbo, Gabbo, oh, okay. Gabbo, Gabbo. There Gabbo's go. coming. There we go. Yeah, anytime Booster tries to get help from the rest of the League, they're all just like, no, shut up, leave us alone, go back to crowd control. So, um, now, I don't, I don't think I've ever read a comic with Booster Gold in it, at least not one where he's prominently featured. Have you? I, I don't think I have either, but I feel like he's always kind of like loosely connected to different people. Yeah. Um... I feel like he's with Blue Beetle a lot. Yeah, the Ted Core Blue Beetle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I think, wasn't there, wasn't there a Brave and the Bold episode? It was like after Ted Core had died and Booster was like dealing with that loss and he was forced to start teaming up with Jaime Reyes, the new Blue Beetle. That sounds right. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. I, yeah. I don't really know much about him. I mean, my first exposure to him would have been this episode. Well, Chris, would you like to know about Booster Gold? Tell me a little bit about Booster Gold. Okay, uh, Michael Carter and his sister Michelle Carter are born twins to a loving mother and an irresponsible father in Gotham City in the 25th century. Is there any other kind of father in Gotham City? I don't think so. A dead right. one. <laughs> that's, that's a very good point. Either they're very responsible but dead 
or entirely irresponsible. Yes. There's no middle ground to be found. That's right. Yes. Uh, and on his fourth birthday, their father left the household to pursue his true love, gambling, uh, uh, leaving the family in huge debt in his, uh, in his behalf. Uh, to help kind of support the family, Michael became a football player in college with the nickname Booster, hoping he would make it into the big leagues. Uh, while all this was happening, his mother was suffering from a debilitating unnamed disease that required treatment that his family could not afford. Turning to the same vice as his father, Michael made bets and purposely threw games in order to earn enough money for the treatment. After his mother was cured, Michael was arrested and put in jail for gambling, losing all of his scholarship and instantly breaking his mother's heart. Later, uh, after he got out of jail, he was able to secure a job at the night as a night watchman at the Metropolis Space Museum, where he studied the displays about superheroes and villains of the past, particularly the 20th century. Michael's sidekick is a robot named Skeets. That is me. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's basically a security droid uh, that worked in the museum with him. And he kind of had all of the knowledge of uh, the exhibits up to the 20th, 21st century. Oh, So okay. I guess that explains like why he chose this era. Okay. Cause I'd say otherwise this is the worst place to go to try and stand out as a superhero because you literally have the greatest heroes ever known to this universe in right. a team together. Well, I mean, to be fair, Superman is around for a while. That's true. And yeah. I feel like this is the time when, like, everyone else is also there mm-hmm. uh, instead of it just being, like, six of them. Well, and I guess a fair point is the nice thing about coming here is you can join the Justice League and try and seek fame and fortune without actually having to do a lot of the work because other people can do the heavy lifting for him. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the help of Skeets, Michael steals devices from the displays, including a Legion of Superheroes flight ring, Brainiac 5's force field belt, and Rip, uh, Rip Hunter's time sphere. Uh, all on display and travels to the 20th century with the intent of becoming a superhero and forming a corporation based around himself and a comfortable living. It doesn't get much more 86 than that. <laughs> oh, but wait, it does, Chris. Because uh, when he first travels back in time, his first mission is to uh, is saving the president, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> the actor? The, the president, Ronald Reagan. Uh, and while on TV... Uh, while, while with Reagan, he stutters his name, and instead of calling himself Gold Star like he wanted, he says Booster Gold, and a lot of people still make fun of him for that and call him Buster Gold. I mean, I think it's a nice little detail. Is it? I feel like Booster Gold's a great superhero name. I think so, too. I think it's better than Gold Star. I think so, yeah. Maybe maybe that's cooler in, like, the 25th century, but yeah. not in the 20th century. The one, the one piece of his backstory that I find least plausible is that gambling would ever be illegal in Gotham City. Right. Yes. <laughs> Like, I have a hard time believing that city is ever going to be any less of a, like, a den of sin and iniquity than it is now. Hey, maybe by the 20th century, 25th century, Batman finally did it. He <laughs> finally did They're on generation six of the Robins. <laughs> I mean, considering that he he had, I think I think it's fair to say things are worse in the Batman Beyond timeline than they are in the normal Gotham timeline, right? Um, I think that city's in a worse place than it is now in Batman Beyond. I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Really? I think it's, it's now bad because it's just an unfathomable bad because it's nonsense technology. Okay. Whereas, you know, it's bad with Batman around, but it's like nonsense villains. Hmm. I think maybe it just feels too much like our world, and so I just think it's worse. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> That's very true. Oh, soon we'll have splicers, and things will really go to shit. I'm surprised it's not around yet. Give it time. 
Oh, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. What would you spice yourself with? Uh, I've always felt like spiritually, like my I, I'm a bit of a penguin. I was gonna say penguin. You really? I was, <laughs> but for a much different reason. <laughs> I mean. I, I would do it so I can always look like I'm wearing a tuxedo, but why would you do it? Oh, that's good. I just want to I just want to lay on my stomach and slide everywhere. Why walk when I can just belly flop my way down the street? I mean, Cameron, there's nothing stopping you now. I'm I'm not slick enough. <laughs> Unless I just like constantly have a bottle of grease or oil, which I'm not above. <laughs> I think you can do it. I believe in you. Thank you. <laughs> the greasy man of Los Angeles. Yes. I'll be the next urban legend. <laughs> I'll support you. Thank you. Slash bail you out of jail. Um, hey, there's nothing illegal there. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> there is nothing illegal about sliding on your stomach around the, the, the streets of Los Angeles. If anything, I'm cleaning them. <laughs> I'm doing a social service because God forbid they need it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, but yeah, so the league is off fighting this uh, Omega level priority situation with, with more Drew and Booster Gold is just stuck doing crowd control and like every time he thinks he's going to get something exciting to do it ends up just being really flat like this little kid runs up like, oh my god like my ants are up in that building somebody needs to go save them so he flies in and it's just literally like a, a colony of it's an ant farm it's an ant yeah. farm yeah or which is wonderfully early 2000s it's a it's great i mean it's a great joke i i give them credit because i do watch with subtitles and they do spell it aunts they do to not give away the joke which i really appreciated uh, he's doing that. He's like giving some old woman directions. Um, and then he, of course, comes across uh, the Star Labs doctor, Dr. Simmons. Who's... Oh, he also comes across a woman in labor. Oh, that happens oh, later. That's, that's yeah, later. That yeah, that, that happens exactly. later. Yeah. Um, so he comes across Dr. Simmons, who is like trying to save her colleague, who's now walking around with this this black hole in his stomach. I, OK, let's talk about this now. I really like this episode. Mm -hmm. I have one major thing i dislike about it though is it the horrible choice march manhunter picks for cast no which i'm sure we'll get into that as well oh god am i ready to get into that <laughs> all right then i'm gonna get into the, i'm gonna okay you go first yeah i'm gonna let this simmer okay uh, let me get up my soapbox do my thing i'll pass it along to you i'll put it on top of the soapbox i've already put out exactly <laughs> so i can meet your height <laughs> so okay so we have dr simmons who's a physicist who's working on this thing or whatever so she's trying to help booster golds save her colleagues slash stop this this black hole from absorbing everything and exploding. Now, Booster Gold is like immediately objectifying her and being a total sleaze. Like even when he finds like, oh my God, like, you know, uh, a woman in distress, my favorite kind of damsel sort of thing. And he's like not even very subtly hitting on her all the way through. And she's ignoring him through pretty much the entirety of it. Now, they do get moments where they do kind of like bond a little bit and she sees him actually act like a, a proper hero at the very end and, and potentially... You run the risk of sacrificing himself to save everything. But what I don't like about it is that at the end of the day, like the league still thinks Booster is like a lazy fuck up and Batman's mad at him for not staying on crowd control. And he doesn't even try to defend himself with the mission he actually accomplished, you know, and but his reward at the end is that uh, the the hot doctor, Dr. Simmons, wants like go on a date with him. And so like his reward is that he gets the girl and it really bothered me that she was so heavily objectified. And in the end, she doesn't, you know, push him away for being a creeper. She's like, oh, but you're a hero. We can go ahead and go on a date anyways. Really bothered me. That I think that it's just a product of the times. I mean, I know it is. I know it is like they wouldn't do that in a modern episode. And I know it. I know just because it's 2004 
doesn't change the fact that it rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. That's totally mm. understandable. Yeah, like I really like the fact that she was completely ignoring his advances and was only tolerating him because he was the only hero around up to the point where then she just like totally changed her mind and went for it. God damn it. Yeah. I I was I think just because it is 2004, I, I was willing to let that go. Mhm. Uh, cuz I mean she also like did see his sensitive side a little bit. Yeah. She gave him an opening and he turned his back because he's like he finally learned like okay, I understand what being a, being a hero is. Yeah, that's true. And then, you know, he had his fall from grace moment of like, hey, I can't do this. Like, I'm no superhero. And she kind of has to comfort him. So there is, you know, there is a little bit of a bond that happens towards the end of the episode. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Kidding. I mean, enough of a bond for a first date. Yeah. I've had first dates with less. <laughs> and by God, were they bad. <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> but like you, you did reference, there are some some fun little beats. After he goes to try and uh, capture the, or save the physicist with the black hole in his stomach, he just keeps having stuff get in his way. Like the very first thing that happens is he's walking up behind the guy with the, the inhibitor collar. It's going to shut him down. Like, oh, this is going to be super easy. And then a car that was like launched out of the fight with Morju just lands on him. Mm-hmm. Which was, it was actually like a pretty funny and surprising moment. I forgot that that had happened. But, like, that happens, to your point, he has to deliver a baby. Yeah. Well, I think you brought this up either on on recording or just before recording. This is a bottle episode. Pretty much is, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, so he... I think it's funny, because when you, when you phrase it that way, um, there's a moment that I thought was so dumb, but also very Booster Gold, mm-hmm. is uh, they... I think it's just after... No, it, it's... Uh, they just leave the... Star Labs. Okay. And they see Daniel, the black hole boy, black hole mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. is literally across the street. Yeah. Uh, and Booster Gold's like, hey, hold on. I'll fly us over there. And I think he must just fly straight up and down because he lands not anywhere near closer to where Daniel is. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, now we're here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where did you go? <laughs> he just had to show up. <laughs> did you back? fly up to move? A step? He just had to show off the fact that he could fly. He did. Yeah. That, that I thought, was <laughs> very unnecessary. <laughs> but, yeah, it seems like a pretty simple task. It's just put the put the brace on Daniel's neck, and that's yeah. all you have to do. And, and stop it and save him. Yeah. But just everything keeps getting in the way. Yeah. There's the black hole. There he sees uh, a woman crying out from an ambulance, and she's in labor, mm-hmm. uh, where the doctor comes by and is like, hey, you're gonna handle that. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna do what you're supposed to be yeah. doing. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm a physicist. Yeah. Bye bye. Which is great. It is great, and I love when Booster asks Keats like, "What do we do?" He's like, "Oh, well, we need to boil some water, and we need to get a bunch of sheets, preferably ones we don't want to use again." Yeah. <laughs> also, worth acknowledging real quick that Skeets is voiced by the legendary Billy West, who most famous for voicing Fry on Futurama, plus like the almost the entire rest of that cast. Like Farnsworth, Zoidberg, Zap Brannigan, like one of the all-time Zap Brannigan, uh, one of the all-time great voice actors, and I think he's perfect here. He just has that like, just that relentless, bubbly perkiness to Skeets. Yeah, it's it's innocent unhelpfulness. Yes, exactly. I mean, Skeets kind of is like the heart of the episode in some ways. Like at that point when you know Booster is getting increasingly frustrated by his inability to to stop this black hole, like. Skeets gets absorbed into it, and that's kind of like 
the the lowest point for Booster. That's when he has his like his you know uh, his fall from grace. He no longer thinks of himself as a hero. Did and Skeet I, get fridged? Uh, I think I think we. Can, <laughs> I mean, uh, I think we can say not in this case. Okay, because he does come back. Skeets is at least a, a a personified as a male character, even if he's a robot and thus would not have a gender. Fair. Yes, and he does come right back. Yeah, and he's not chopped up and shoved into a fridge. That's true. There's also that. Just absorbed into a black hole. Just absorbed into a black hole. Um, but you no, know, I I love Skeets in this, and I, like when he got stuck in the black hole, I'm like, oh no, Skeets, not Skeets. But it's fine because everyone got regurgitated out of the, the black hole, except for like the paramedics who got sucked in there. There's like a lot more stuff that got absorbed that did not come back out of that. Gap. Yeah, the whole building. Yeah, like a whole train worth of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, full subway, not even just a car, just a full subway train. Yeah, a lot of people died in this episode. Yeah, but it's fine; they died off screen. So just on the on the the ground level. Right. Yeah. You don't even see how much more do kills. Exactly. Mm, it's intense. Very intense. Okay, but wait. So you you said you had a, a big issue though with who Jean Jesus sends down Christ, to this. Did I have a problem with this, Chris? Okay. Let Let's hear. It. Let me Let me. Just okay. So we're gonna scoot, pl- scoot the soapbox over. Shh. We're going to play the game that I, I pitched at the beginning of this, which mm-hmm. is, can we be a better Martian Manhunter? Right. Martian Manhunter, for this mission, against the the great magic evil creature, he picks Hawk and Dove, Star yeah. and Stripe, Shining Knight, Fire and Ice, Dr. Light, Aztec, Huntress, Vigilante, Elongated Man, Elongated Man, Vibe, and Booster Gold. Now, they are the most mortal of all of the League members. To be fair, though, once we get down to the action, we see that Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Green Lantern, I think Supergirl, like everyone else is down there, too. Yeah, well, they, they name Plastic Man, yes. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah, that was an interesting moment. They say they don't need a long game in man. They have Plastic Man. They already got one stretchy guy. But we never see Plastic Man in the show. We never see him at any point in the universe. Right. And I, I can't remember if that was for legal reasons why they couldn't include him or what. But for some reason, we just never see him. But I I found it weird that we never see him, but that his name drop happens. Yeah. Like, that just felt a little odd. I, I don't know the I don't really know the history there of why that's the case. So, so in that list that I made, I, Hawk and Dove, with the backstory we gave that I, that I uh, shared on their episode... It would make sense for them to be there because their powers were granted by a force of light and a force mm, of chaos. True. Yeah. So like more like they would kind of have a personal grudge with Mordu. Mm-hmm. Um, why do, is Star and Stripe going there? I mean, they don't need one's to be a, there. Wait, well, hang on. Star Girl's pretty powerful. She okay. I'll rephrase that. Yeah, Star, yeah one's yes. a big ass robot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why Huntress is down there. Huntress has no reason being there. Uh, Vigilante <laughs> has no reason being there. Uh, but where's Zatanna? Where's Dr. Fate? Where's Zatara? Where's Etrigan, Constantine, any magical creature that's in this universe? So, okay, I have the full list here of uncredited appearance in this episode. So other heroes that appear down here. Okay. Would you like the full list? Please. All right, so Adam Smasher. Yep. Aztec, who you mentioned. What, what's Aztec's powers again? I have no idea. He's, he's one of the ones I don't know anything about. I'm, I'm looking him up right now. Um, do, 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 the the Q Foundation is secret society of religious outcasts and uh, primary gun. Um, powered by fourth dimensional energies, the Aztec war suit is a conglomeration of magic and technology, giving its bearer an array of powers such as super strength, super speed, super hearing, telescopic vision, X-ray vision, infrared vision, invisibility, and flight. So lots of visions. Got it. Okay. I mean, 
there's a magic light. Okay, yeah. fine. We'll, we'll give him that one. Uh, Blue Devil, Crimson Avenger, Dove, Doctor Light, Doctor Midnight, Fire, Hawk, Ice, Huntress, The Ray, Rocket Red, Shining Knight, Star Girl, Star Man, Stripe, Supergirl, Superman, Thunderbolt, Vibe, Vigilante, Wildcat. Why the fuck is Wildcat there? Wildcat <laughs> plus plus elongated man, Captain Adam, Batman, one Roman Green Lantern. If anyone is should be relegated to <laughs> civilian duty, should be fucking Wildcat. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel I feel like uh, What is he gonna do? I mean What is he gonna do? I, I, I'm pretty sure in this iteration too, Wildcat is like a more veteran hero. I could see him being someone to like, no one's going to say no to Wildcat. Like even Batman's like, okay, fine. You can be here too. Yeah. You know, just in, in deference to, to their, their elder statesmen here. Yeah. I mean, cause he did train all of them. Yeah. I, I don't remember canonically. I canonically, he trained uh black canary for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if they name anyone else. I don't remember. I mean, I think we just can assume that Batman trained with everyone at some point. Yeah. Because it's Batman. He had to around everyone. Okay, wait. So who... I mean, I think you listed some of them, but who would you send down there? Anyone else. <laughs> Literally anyone. Not Vigilante. Not Shining Knight. Not Huntress. Fucking for sure not Wildcat. I, I cherish him so much. I would never send him to something like this. Because what I'm imagining is he's going to like... He's running around on the ground, like looking up at the flying people, like being like, hey, throw me at him. Throw me at him. And like... No, Ted, you're <laughs> 47. Sit down, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Zatanna, Zatara, either or. Do we, is, is Zatara still alive in this universe? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we see him die on screen the way he does in um, Young, Justice. Young Justice. But I mean, I, I think, I get, I've seen a vaguely recall that he was no longer around in Zatanna from BTOS. Like the flashback show Bruce training under Zatar. doesn't matter. Yeah. Zatanna so could have been Zatanna there. Zatanna should be yeah. there. Etrigan, to Etrigan your should have been there. Dr. Fate. Yeah. Because we see Dr. Fate in the next episode. Well, I've, maybe Dr. Fate's like someone they can only get a hold of every once in a while. I, I will accept that because yeah. he shows up on the Watchtower. He's not already on the Watchtower. Right. I don't remember if we see him in like the big panning shot in, uh, in the first episode. I think we do. I but, think we do. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's always doing his own thing. But again... They are fighting an agent of chaos. They're basically fighting another version of Clarion. Yeah. yeah. And so Dr. Fate, as an order, as as uh, an order of the fates, should be there. Yeah, he probably this should. This is his job. I hate on Green Lantern a lot for not doing his job. <laughs> this is Dr. Fate's job. I mean, I am looking at the, the list of appearances in Initiation A, and Dr. Fate is there. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah, as is Etrigan, he probably should have been there. Um, I feel like Metamorpho... Probably would have been a good person to have yep. here. He's got a lot of powers. Um, Orion. Anyone that can hit. Oh, fucking Shazam should be there. I don't know if Shazam is in this universe. He is. He has, I think, one appearance in. That's next, right. Because they find out that he's next season when they find out he's a kid. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So he's not here yet. But they just need people that can like handle magic. And Superman yeah. famously cannot <laughs> handle magic. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 kind of. It's kind of true. I yeah. think I don't. I I'm starting to feel like Martian Manhunter is not good at his job. Maybe not. Maybe not so much. Also, I mean, 
he would probably be a pretty good person to have He'd down be there. He'd pretty too. great he, down there. He is one of the most powerful beings in this entire league. Yes. He probably should have been there, too. Anyone else? <laughs> Hawk and Dove are literally just college brothers. You're not wrong. Who's a little bit fast and one's a little bit strong. <laughs> How strong? Not as strong as Wonder Woman or Supergirl or Superman. Okay, fine. I agree with you. I agree. Um, I mean, like, the, the thing is, the, the plot in this is pretty straightforward. I mean, it, it's kind of all wrapped up just in the summary itself. There, there were some little moments, though, that I want to I acknowledge I thought were super fun. Um, one is when they all get onto the Justice League teleporter to go down to Earth. Booster Gold says Energize, clearly a reference to Star Trek. But what I love, though, is the, uh, the Justice League tech is just like, doofus and pushes the button and sends them down there like even the guy who works like a shift the human the normal person powerless person who works a shift on the watchtower looks down on booster gold here's here's my thinking for that uh-huh is i bet the flash does that every single time and the guy is just so tired of it when someone else does it and think there's a and think they're original mm-hmm. he's just like fucking shut up Yep. I, 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 yeah, I bet you're right. I bet the first time the flash ran on the pad, he's like, all right, send me down there in a flash. And yeah. Everyone's like, motherfucker, just shut up. So you, you would probably know this answer. Yeah. How much further in the future is Booster from Star Trek? Okay. So he's from 2462. Yes. And if I recall, uh, I want to say original Star Trek was. 2200s and that I, sounds right. i think the next generation was the 2300s okay so it's still in the past for him yeah it would be i mean part of the problem is they always like reference star dates um but okay wait hang on the, the 23rd century yes 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 so the original star trek takes place in 2200s they always say star dates but it's like a random assembly of numbers i don't know what point this far started actually like giving real numbers in any sort of point um but yeah, so it would have been in... Okay, wait, here we go. Uh, Star Trek series and films, 2254 is when the original Star Trek happened. Cool, okay. Yeah. So he's 200 years ahead of them. Yeah, exactly. On this fictional show, which is still fictional in-universe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, he, he would have... He would be alive past the point when Star Trek would have happened if it weren't fictional even in this universe. Yeah, but you know, it could still be going on, the show... Yeah. They could be on the next, 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 next generation. Exactly. Uh, plus, you know, the infinite universes. Well, actually, well, 52, I suppose. But uh, um, so I, I thought that was kind of funny. I love, I think my favorite moment in the entire thing is um, when Booster is doing crowd control and Superman comes crashing down next to him and Booster's like, Superman, are you okay? And he looks up and it's composite Batman, Superman, little like split down the middle, half and half. And then it's Wonder Woman's voice. Yes. Which is just... And he, she even says, like, I'm fine. Get back to work. <laughs> and then runs off into the fray. Which is great. It's because, like, it's good to see, like, magic problems. Yeah. Well, I think that's just also a very clever way of introducing, like, that composite Batman Superman. Because it, it's it's a big thing in the comics. It happens all the time. Uh, they very cleverly use that idea in the Batman Superman comic Public Enemies, which is when... Um, there's a big kryptonite meteor heading towards Earth, and Lex, who's present at the time, like declares that 
Superman has basically tr- betrayed everyone by bringing this kryptonite thing and tries to capture him. So it's Batman and Superman against like the U.S. government and then a whole bunch of metas who've been recruited to try and stop them. But in the very end, there's a giant rocket ship they're going to shoot off to go blow up the meteor, and it's built by this like teenager genius who has built it in the shape of a half Batman, half Superman. That's great. That's pretty, good. Which is really, it's just like a fun way to actually throw that in there somewhere. I didn't ever watch Public Enemies, because that's also when Superman fights Shazam, right? Yeah, it's Batman and Superman go up against Shazam and Hawkman. Got it. I've only seen the, the adaptation once. I liked it, but it's a great comic. It's on my shelf if you want to read it. It's, it's one of my all-time favorites, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like that. I love that everyone keeps calling Booster Gold Green Lantern. I adore that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does. He is kind of a composite. He's a little bit of Kyle and a little bit of Guy. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, and uh, he even gets mad. It's like, if I were Green Lantern, I would be green. Yeah, <laughs> I'm literally blue and gold. Thanks, Green Lantern. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty fun little thing. Um, but yeah, he should be honored. He should be honored. Booster Gold to be called a Green Lantern. Honestly. Uh, he totally should. He would never. He would never pass as Green Lantern. No. Well, wait, wait, hang on. I say that. I say that. A Green Lantern's strength is around their sense of will. Yes. And he is blindly willful. Yes, but but for greedy reasons. So if anything, he'd be an Orange Lantern over a Green Lantern. Fine. Because, like, because there's a lot of parallels between him and Guy. Yeah. Because Guy Gardner is the same way. The reason he's one of the strongest Green Lanterns is he's so cocky mm-hmm. in himself and in his idea that he's always doing the right thing for the world, mm-hmm. even if it's not good for other people. Like, that is what makes him a Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. His deeds in his eyes are always for the greater good. Okay. Whereas Booster, his main goal is greed and fortune. Okay. That's and fair. Business and commercials. But of course. So he'd be one he'd, of the... he'd be closer to an orange lantern, but even then there is only one orange lantern. Right. Is that the cat? No. Uh cat uh, Zats is a red lantern. Oh, okay. Yes. I don't know. Uh she the cat has the exact same backstory as Batman, which I think is hilarious. It's fucking great. Their owner was shot down in an alley. Uh and then the cat <laughs> just wanted to do anything to get revenge on the mugger. Uh and so it gets the power of a, a red lantern ring and it kills the mobster. <laughs> Owner was shot in alley. <laughs> That's so dumb. Yes, I love it. This is why I love comics. Yes, the Orange Lantern is the alien uh, uh, Larflees, mm-hmm. uh, who was so greedy that he killed every other Orange Lantern so he could have all the power for himself. Brilliant. Yes, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I don't. Any other, any, any other thoughts on on this fun, silly episode? I think that's pretty much everything. One other thing I thought was interesting, unrelated to the actual episode itself, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time that we have clips play over the end credits, right? It is, yes. Yeah, which is interesting because in this episode, they're clips from the previous episode of um, Fearful Symmetry. What I thought was very interesting, or I guess it was a combination of clips from episodes prior to this. Yeah, because it opens with the clip from... uh Episode two. For the man who's everything. Yes, thank you. What I thought was interesting is when we get to our next episode, The Return, the end clips from that, some of them are old, but a lot of them are from The Ultimate, which is our next episode. Right. That was very interesting that it's like, I don't know if that was intentional or an accident or what, but it felt weird to like have, I guess it's kind of a preview for the next episode, but that wasn't the established format in this one. 
I, I, th I think, again, we've brought this up a couple times. I think this is a product of how it was syndicated at the time. Oh, uh, okay. Because yeah. when it was Justice League, it obviously had the hour block because they were all two-part episodes. Mm -hmm. So you always had the, the, scheduled for those years. It was scheduled for two episodes of Justice League. That's and so fair. then when they transitioned <clears throat> to JLU, I bet they the first few episodes they did singles. Um but they might have seen like some drop off. There might have been some like advertising thing where they noticed people weren't staying for the second episode. So I'm, cause I'm looking at it right now and uh, they did air once a week, like one episode each week. On which channel? Uh, just the original air date. So, yes, for syndication, you're right. They might be a little bit different. But um, yeah, so this episode came out September 11th, 2004. The initiation came out July 31st, 2004. Okay. But I think you're right. It might have been like. Yeah, because on, on Cartoon Network, I remember them being, it always was an hour block. Okay, so yeah. The, the superhero block, because it was, no, Teen Titans had just started, I believe. <laughs> I, I think know, it was Teen Titans, Titans into JLU. Okay. Um, with something else at the end. Okay. I think that, because like, that led into the Toonami block. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. But yeah, it's probably right. It probably has to do ultimately with that, with syndication, so. Um, all right, should we move on to The Return? Let's do it. All right. Uh, so once again, I did not write a synopsis. So I'm going to wing it outside my head here. Uh, it's so a pretty simple one. It's a pretty simple one. Yeah. So basically, the just this sees uh, um, Professor Ivo's android, a.k.a. Mazo, who I, I don't think they ever really refer to by name as a Mazo, but we saw that as his the um, acronym on top of the blueprints in his original episode, um, Tabula Rasa in Justice League. But uh, he's coming back. So he's been gone. At the, he left at the end of Tabula Rasa. He was trying to kill Luther and then let him go, basically, to realize like he had a greater purpose in life to go off and just go learn and evolve. So he's coming back now, and he wants to kill Luthor. And so standing between him and Luthor is, first off, the entire Green Lantern Corps and the planet of Oa. And then after that, you get the entire Justice League in a multi-tier defense system starting in space and then in the airspace above Metropolis, on the streets of Metropolis, and then ultimately inside Luther's Superman-proof bunker that he built, where he and the Atom kind of are, are primed to have their final stand up against Amazo. Yes, with a matter gun that was supposed that is supposed to kind of scramble the nanobots that are built inside Amazo yes. and reprogram them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, we're... Were you excited, at least, to see the very beginning of this episode start on Oa? Of course, always. Because yeah. Kyle Rayner's there. Kyle Rayner's He's there. He's in the background. Yeah, I mean, I, so I did see that this is the last appearance of the Green Lantern Corps in the DCAU. But I also think this is the first time we see them in much more stylized costumes than before. Because the last time we saw them would have been in Justice League episodes, where they all pretty much have the exact same uniform that Jon Stewart does. And in this one, the first thing we see is Kyle Rayner behind one of the Guardians um, in his, like, comic, mostly comic accurate costume of that time. Because instead of having, like, the normal Lantern logo, he had this sort of, like, um, very minimal, modern, like, white, multi-part Lantern look going on. I don't think I described that very well. But. No, but you're right. That that Kyle's always had a unique look yeah and when it's when it has that much white it's usually close to the 90s look and then he goes to ion and then he has a new look at the end yeah. of that um yeah i think that is a product of this is when jeff johns was fully taken over green lantern stories mm -hmm. and like he'd given so much identity to every individual lantern by this point okay um 
so while I think Tales of the Core had started, had probably just started when this episode was being made. Mm-hmm. So like there was a lot of emphasis on the background lanterns at this point. Okay, yeah, because they, they just have more distinct looks all the way through. He has that look, like, Kilowog has, like, armor plating over his torso. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Kat Matui is unsurprisingly, like, drawn in a, a very objectifying... By Bruce Tim. I Bruce can't Tim. imagine I, I it. Know. If, if anyone remembers um, the new X-Men era comics which would have been like the early 2000s after the movies first came out when they kind of brought emma frost back and they brought her onto the x-men team she her costume was basically like a, a white like top but the x on her chest was all bare skin so like the top basically like formed an x just so you could see like tons of boob this is like the exact inverse of that where it's like her costume like kind of covers her boobs and then has the logo in the middle and then like her midriff and a good section of like V cleavage is exposed. Yeah. Comics. <sighs> Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim. Hey, I mean, I, I would like to blame Bruce for this. I feel like Kat Matui's always had problems with her outfit. I mean, that's okay. That's true. I suppose this is a step up from when we first met her when she was in like an exact copy of Slave Girl Leia outfit. Right. So... I guess it's a step in the right direction of sorts. Ultimately, what this comes down to is like one, like being annoyed that all these female characters are being objectified, and two, let's objectify some of the male characters. God damn it. I want bare chest, bare midriff, more of these kind of costumes. Bring me some more Buana Beast. Buana Beast. There, there's a great like fight going on. On the, on the internet, mainly, I've mainly seen it through TikTok right now mm-hmm. about fairness at the Olympics. Okay. With all of the fashion scandals that have been going oh, on yeah. before and current. And people are saying, like, we don't, or uh, there's a handful of women being like, we don't want equality where women have to wear pants. We want equality where the men's volleyball team has to also wear Speedos. Uh, and they, yeah, they want to match all the women's outfits. And they want to match the men's outfits to what the women are having yeah. to wear. It, it was kind of like a few years ago when um, there was like the those comic drawings going around of Hawkeye in all of the Scarlet Johansson Black Widow poses. Yes. All the butt emphasis shots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they like even Nightwing got in on it. Oh, yeah. There's a Dick Grayson issue that they copied the uh, the Spider-Woman pose. Exactly. Bring, bring it on. I, I would watch more of the Olympics. I would definitely watch the men's volleyball if they were in Speedos as well. Well, because I don't remember if you remember this from 2016. I'm sure you do because mm-hmm. it was hilarious. Of It was a accidental not safe for work post of the divers where it was <laughs> they'd be standing there and it'd be a screenshot where the um the text bar at the bottom that would show their score oh, was perfectly yeah. covered their speedo <laughs> and so it looked like they were standing there naked. I do remember that, yeah. And there were so many of them. <laughs> it lined up way more often than you would expect it to. Clearly the, the, the like the young gay intern do the uh, the lower third. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> and God bless him for it. It was so funny. <laughs> But anyway, so we, we, we get these new designs on the Green Lantern, which is kind of fun to see. But then the, the first thing that happens is Amazo seemingly destroys Oa. Yes. Yeah, like he literally like blasts through a shield created by like what a dozen Green Lanterns simultaneously and just blasts right through Yeah, the them. full Alpha Core. Yeah. And like, I mean, I like what they did there because they established right from the beginning, like 
because for anyone who didn't remember who Omeza was or, or was new to the series, like they established right from the beginning, like he is so powerful. He just blasted through the entire Green Lantern Corps and destroyed a planet. So when he gets to Earth and his target is just one normal human man, everyone's fucked. Right. And I love that. Because I saw this many times before I saw Tabula Rasa. Okay, sure. Yeah. So this episode, this episode never made sense to me. You're like, who is this person? Why does he care about Lex so much? When's... And why is he so strong? Yeah, why is he? Yeah, because at this point, he not only has absorbed the powers of every member of the Justice League, but he's been off in space for, he, he says months, but I, I think timeline-wise, he's probably been gone for like more or less years. Yeah. And any being he encounters, he can scan them and, ab- and absorb and adopt and utilize their powers and abilities. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, we just had Mordru in the last episode. Amazo is probably more powerful than Mordru. Yes. At this point. So it's basically just whatever he wants to do, he's going to do. So now he, he's heading towards Earth. And I think this is the first time we've seen Lex in a while as well. I think maybe since that episode. No, because I think, I think, I'd have to double check this. I think the last time we saw him would have been a better world because at the very end he helps the league take down the justice lords and in doing so is granted a pardon that's right and i think oh, i think this is the last time we like definitively see him now we got a allusion to him last week in fearful symmetry because there's some shadowy person on the phone who we don't see who they are, and they're talking to, I, I think, Dr. Hamilton, if I recall. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly Lex's silhouette. We just don't ever... He never speaks. We never see him identified as Lex, but I think it's supposed to be. But here he's doing an interview basically saying how he's a, he's a changed man. He's written some book about how he's a great guy, and he owes the League everything because you know they, they gave him a chance and believes in him when no one else did. And he's like, well... I even think that maybe someday we'll be friends. And then Supergirl comes and picks him up and, and takes him off to take him to safety. Um, oh, so the last time we would have, I, I pulled up the list. Yeah. The last time we did see Lex was a little inconsequential, but it was hereafter. So it was oh, at Superman's, at Superman's funeral. Yeah. Right. Cause Lois is like, what are you doing here? It's like, believe it or not, I'll miss him too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Uh, but yeah. But uh, he was in a cameo in secret society. Uh, but blacked out. Uh, but yeah, Better World was the last kind world. of okay. canonical <clears throat> yeah. for him. Makes sense. So he's supposed to have like, turned over a new leaf. You know, as he points out, he still has to wear the, the chest plate that the Ultra Humanite made for him that keeps his cancer at bay. Basically, he now is comic-era Iron Man wearing this chest plate to keep himself alive. Basically the same thing. Um, but yeah, he, he gets away from Supergirl and Steel to go into his like Superman-proof bunker and doesn't realize the Atom has been riding in on his shoulder. And the Adam's there because, as he points out, like, he's the world's greatest expert on nanotechnology. So they're going to try and convert this this cannon to try and save Lex, the last line of defense. And then we go back up to space, and it's, like, Superman, GL, who's now pissed because he's seen Oa get destroyed. And, like, all the League's heaviest hitters are, like, primed up in space to try and fight Amazo. And he just literally blasts through him. Through and, them. like, nothing. Yeah. Also, they have a lot of javelins. Yes. There was probably like 40 or 50 javelins on screen. Yes. Like a lot. Yes. <laughs> Man, I, I I hope that Bruce got like some co-financing on this one. I mean, I mean he wrote it all off. <laughs> God damn it. The tax cut. Yes. But I mean, yeah, he, he goes through just like everybody. So like, okay, here are all the people that are in... 
uh, this episode. So Captain Adam, Dr. Light, Fire, Ice, Flash, Orion, Red Tornado, Rocket Man, Starman, Stripe, One Roman, Aresia. I'm not sure who that is. Oh, now we're getting to the, the Green Lantern Corps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So all the Green Lanterns plus all those other people I just listed. Um, you know, plus Supergirl, Steel. Um, he just goes through all of them. There is a great moment with Steel mm-hmm. before Lex runs off. Oh, yeah. Um, where they're trying to kind of put him in witness protection, basically. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I've already prepared for this. And they drop him off, and it's at a barber shop. And Steel has the great line of like, you know what, Lex? I wouldn't have expected you to be here either. <laughs> fair point. Yeah. Very fair point. Great moment. Yeah. But yeah, so they're they're trying to fix up his gun, getting ready to uh, to stop Amazo. And like, while all this is happening, Dr. Fate shows up on the watchtower and tells Jean, like, you don't need to destroy him. Like, I can save him. Jean's like, nah. Yeah, not that you guys could anyway. Yeah, we're, we're just, we're just going to try and take him out anyways. Um. But I mean, and at that point too, now the rest of the Green Lantern Corps have shown up and they're there for revenge. And they basically realize, like, okay, if we all team our power together, we can probably defeat him, but it might have like huge consequences. It might like destroy stuff for miles. What they say, like half, they the say pla- half the planet. Half the planet. Like it might take destroying half the planet in order to defeat Amazo. And my thought through all of this is who the fuck cares about Lex Luthor? Even if the Green Lantern Corps didn't show up and like offer that as a terrible solution to stop him, it they run the risk of killing huge numbers of the League, of all of like the other just like random League technicians that are now flying these javelins, any civilians on the ground. Like there is no way there's not going to be significant collateral damage. All for someone that everyone hates. I just don't quite buy it that they would go to this much effort to save Lex. Yeah. I mean, it is it is the the curse of the named character versus the curse of the unnamed character. I suppose, yeah, I guess it is. I, I mean, Red Tornado gets destroyed. Yes. Oh, my God. I They hadn't done this in a minute, but any non-humanoid <laughs> no, character, yes. they fucking rip him apart. <laughs> he got scar-faced. Yes. <laughs> he... <laughs> He got scarred. He got lasered in half, and then ripped apart, and then exploded. And then exploded. I know. Like Jesus, guys. Overkill. I know he's a threat, but like, yeah. We we like Red Tornado. He's a good guy. We like. He's him. trying to be human, and yeah. you were destroying him over and over again. He comes back. It's fine. I get they can just rebuild him, but it's still Stop not fair it. to him. It's a little. It's a little mean. Yeah. It's a little bit mean. It's a little bit speciesist. What? Like. Speciesist? Uh, yeah, we can go spe- uh, speciesist. Species? Speciesist? I don't know. Whatever. Automatist? Sure. Sure. Let's go automatist. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so Amazo gets through everybody, gets through all of Lex's defenses. Like, the gun doesn't work, so then the atom grabs on Lex and, like, shrinks down to, like, you know, the, the molecular world. And Amazo's like, did you really think you would be safe down here? And now he's holding them in the palm of his hand. And this is where it gets interesting because we now understand why he's there and he's there to discover a purpose because he's like, what, what do I do? All I do is just go and like learn and absorb and evolve. What is the point of the end of this? And Lex basically tells him like, that's the point of being sentient. You have to discover a purpose for yourself. Yeah. 
This was a it's a heavy ending. It is, and yeah. It's someone dealing with a lot of existential crises. <laughs> not something I needed to watch today. Didn't want to revisit this right now. Not Didn't really. Didn't want to crack open that box. Hey, you know, I got my anxiety pills. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's it it does show though that the writers of this know how to handle these sort of stories really well, right? Like the the big action is really front loaded, but the 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 philosophy the the character development like the real pathos the interesting stuff happens on this very personal small scale level there at the very end mm -hmm. and i think that's the best way to end this like because what what can you do how can you have a bigger fight than taking out the entire league in a span of a matter of minutes it has to be something like this it has to be like a battle of will and of mentality right i mean we we just had this kind of go down with circe mm, a few yeah. weeks ago of like they know they can't win. Yeah. Without enormous sacrifice. And and Lex does in the in the end he saves the day. He does. Yeah. And and basically Dr. Fate stops to intervene. Because the League shows or the, the Green Lantern Corps shows up and they're gonna destroy him and then Fate shows up and it's like, stop, Lex Luthor's trying to save the world. And he does ultimately end up letting them through, only for Amazer to show up and be like, I'm good. Yeah. For Fate to come back and be like, hey you guys I was right. I was right. You were. All, I'm gonna take him. You were all wrong. But like, but he blew up Oa, and he's like, "Oh no, I didn't. You guys are stupid. I just moved to dimensions." Yeah, I just moved to another dimension. Pop, it's back. Yeah. And everyone's like, "Oh, um, okay, cool. Thanks. So we'll just um." I know it's probably against our galactic code, but we probably can't arrest you. Yeah. So I guess we'll we'll just go. Yeah. We're gonna go. Okay. We're gonna go. Um, yeah. So that's pretty fun. And then I, I think for me, one of the best parts about this is the little button. It's incredible. I forgot this. I forgot this happened. I did too. Yeah. And so fate's like, you know, do you want to come with me? You know, you are, you are seeking purpose and that is my job in this realm on this earth is to help people find purpose when you come back with me. So they go back to his, his tower, um, tower of fate, tower of fate. Thank you. And he tells Inza, it's like, Oh, can you prepare? We have another guest. Um, and fate even says like, Oh yeah. At one point I thought John Stewart was actually going to hit me take me out and then shaira walks in it's like oh, oh shit i don't know his uh his bark is worse than his bite and this is the first time we've seen her since starcross yeah and and they make reference to her obliquely at the very beginning because uh john wants to do a tour of duty out at oa and basically swap place with kyle and the lantern or the guardians like no we know you have your personal problems you got to deal with this on your own you can't just come here as an excuse to get away from it yeah I, I didn't make that connection until you just brought that up. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, exactly. So it all kind of comes full circle, and we, we have her come back. It's like, oh, my God, yes! Because, mm -hmm. uh, like, as much as I appreciated her in Justice League and even in Starcross especially, I think her best episodes happen in JLU. I think, Absolutely. I think she's at her most interesting after she's kind of left the persona of being hot girl and is now just Shaira. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and when it, like... The love triangle is so entertaining. Oh, with her and GL and Vixen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it becomes a love square when you introduce Carter Hall. Yep. Yep. Oh, she's just she's just great. Oh, love her so much. They did a really good job with, with every oh god fucking everybody. Everyone is so so good. I know. I, I I was it was just super fun to revisit this episode. Um. Uh, and. It, it's just a great one. It's just a great episode. They do such a, like, it's great storytelling, great character beats, great action all the way through. It's unexpected in a lot of places. I mean, this was as good as I remember it being when I watched it as a kid. I think so, too. Revisiting it now. Yeah. Yeah. I think most of these have. Mm -hmm. I think it's just 
right now it's just Hawk and Dove that's kind of like the seven sitting among the nines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's a, that's a very good way of putting it. It's very good. Yeah. And, you know, and look, it's going to continue on. You know, we we have nothing but fantastic episodes all the rest of the season. It's going to be a really shitty short list. It's, <laughs> it's going to be a very, very long short list. Uh, I mean, any other thoughts on this? Should we jump into some uh, bat plugs? Uh, I think we covered it all. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do some plugs here. I think, I think we have we share a plug this week, right? We do. We That's watched a, it together. It's terrible phrasing on my part. My apologies. We both have the same. Nope. You and I. Let's say you and I are plugging the same thing. We've really written ourselves into a corner here with the phrasing on this, haven't we? And we've lived with it for five years, <laughs> and you're now just bringing it up. <laughs> I'm only now just realizing it. All right. Our mutual bat plug this week. Not any better, but go for not it. Not any better. Uh, we watched The Suicide Squad. We did. James yes. Gunn's Suicide Squad. Yes. To be specific. Yeah. Should we? Do we want to do any sort of, like, pre-spoilers discussion or should we just go ahead and throw in the notes hey spoilers from here on out if you haven't seen the suicide squad and just dive into it full um i'll do like a super quick non-spoiler it's it's good yeah we both really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. um and that's 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 it it's (laughs) it's it's fun and worth watching we we watched it on hbo max i think it's if you want to go see in a theater go see it in i do theater. think this w- this would have been better in theater if, i think in general stuff is better when you do go see it in a the theater mm-hmm. um but I, mean, I think with the good with the right audience with the right audience exactly so i mean I, I would say this i had fun watching it i did too yeah i mean it's worth watching uh let's get into spoilers okay all right so let's just fall on spoilers here so okay we we had fun with it what should we start with things we we really liked about it yeah if, if you can't tell from from our our half-assed tone that we're sharing uh i think we came in with pretty high expectations especially with how the reviews were coming out already yeah i, I came I, in with pretty high expectations. okay i actually didn't go in with that high of expectations i think it basically hit my expectations which at this point i never have high expectations for a dc film it doesn't matter what property it is who's making it i just go in assuming like uh, well as long as i enjoy it it's fine mm-hmm. uh if i guess this is still kind of non-spoilery uh if you have if you've seen Birds of Prey, I would put it about that tier. Okay. I think it has yeah. a couple more jokes, but I think Birds of Prey lands better than Suicide Squad lands. I would agree with that. And I remember you and I weren't super hot on Birds of Prey when we first saw it. I, I rewatched it in New Year's and, and really enjoyed okay, it. Okay, yeah. I have not gone back to revisit it, but anytime I think back on it, I pretty much only think back on it positively. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I you could, I think you could probably make an argument that Birds of Prey is the best of this modern era of DC films. I'd say that you could also make an argument for the first Wonder Woman if you are okay with its terrible third act. I, I think if, if we're including all three acts, I would say Birds of Prey is the best DC movie. I think so. It's, it's the only one where I don't have to, like, forgive its glaring flaws in order to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoy... I think it's fair to say that... I enjoy the first two thirds of Wonder Woman more than Birds of Prey, but that last third is so frustrating for me that ultimately I think Birds of Prey is just a better, more effective, cohesive piece of storytelling. Yes. And and I think this is a pretty good piece of storytelling. There are times when it feels very James Gunn. I think there are certain scenes, certain jokes, you can really feel his personality coming through. I think a lot of the characters, you really feel him. I think for me overall, it just felt a little bit messy and scattershot and inconsistent 
Well, we yeah, we talked about it last night. Um, the first half is very James Gunn. Yeah. And then it's almost like, as I, I made the joke, it's almost like he got a call from Disney mid-script <laughs> to go work on Guardians and just let someone else finish the movie. Because that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. He kind of forgets to make jokes halfway through. Yeah, it it's kind of takes this very serious turn, which, which befits the general arc of stories like this. At a certain point, it's going to get a little bit more serious. But I didn't really feel like the jokes and the fun came back again once we really got into the third act proper. Right. And it just felt a little generic smashy smashy. You know, it's like there's two scenes where Harley Quinn is running as like the floor is collapsing around her and something's about on to fall on top of her. And it just felt like, didn't we just do this like five minutes ago? Like I don't feel the stakes are heightened because the character is in sort of like physical peril. Cause that's not going to happen. It's much more interesting if there's emotional stakes here. And I just didn't really feel it at the end. Right. And especially with like the big bad of this is Starro. Yeah. Fucking Starro. Right. We've gotten a live action movie, which is pretty much saw. We, we saw it in the, uh, in the trailer. Yeah, we it was spoiled long ago that that's who it was going to be. Yeah. For fuck's sake, there's a giant Star Wars in the middle of Leicester Square in London. Like, yeah. no one was holding back and letting people know that's what was going on. And, like, that is incredible that we got such a villain in the DC universe, in yeah. the live-action universe. I think the problem is Starro Comics is a very serious villain. Yeah. Visually, he's hilarious. Right. And it doesn't match the tone of the movie. No. I just never really felt the stakes with Starro because I, I don't think they ever really fleshed out what the threat was around him. Yeah. Yeah. We also brought this up. We watched it with, with friend of the podcast and friend of us, uh, the, the third of BFC mm -hmm. Shane Tully. Yes. Uh, and he did not know anything about Starro. Yeah. And so when he saw the people with the starfish on their face, he didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. And I think that is the problem is I think DC forgot that not everyone knows Starro. Mm -hmm. And so when we first see the people with stars on their face, they still kind of have sentience. Yeah. Or, well, I guess we're, uh, we're assumed to believe that they still have sentience because you hear them complaining that Peter Capaldi's character has been torturing them for 30 years. The thinker. Yeah. It, what, what I felt weird about that, how they handled it is because they, the, the whole point is the squad is trying to break into this, this tower called Jotunheim, which, because the whole, the whole, to sum up what's going on, for those who haven't seen it, basically the squad, the Suicide Squad is sent in to the island, or um, the island nation of Corto Maltese, which has appeared in numerous comics and is referenced even in the 89 Batman movie. Isn't that where Bane is from? Um, no, he's from. He has land there. Santa Prisca? That's right. Yes. Because that's the one in Young Justice. Yes, exactly. So, um, no, I, I think Corto Maltese is at least referenced in the Dark Knight Returns comic. Maybe that's where it originated from. I'm not certain, to be honest. But, they, so they're going there to try and break into this facility called Jotunheim, which was basically, like, left over by Nazi scientists that escaped Germany to go to South America, <clears throat> which happened in real life. Um, but they know that there's some sort of global threat inside of there, and they have to go destroy it. Well, they ultimately come to realize they're not actually there to destroy the threat. They're there to destroy any evidence of the fact that this was all done by the Americans. That the American, like... The NASA, basically, American astronauts discovered Starro 30 years ago, brought it down to Earth, and then basically put it on 
Cocha Maltese to get it outside of the U.S. in order to conduct experiments on it and been doing so for 30 years. So that's the context for Starro. But we never get a sense of what his actual threat is on the planet because when we see him, we see that if a Starro, a little mini Starro is on a, a, a body, that body can basically be dead and still animated. So essentially the, the threat that they imply is like an army of the dead zombie sort of situation. But the real threat of Starro, especially in the comics, is global domination because he literally controls the minds of everyone there. And they say it, but I never felt that. Right. I never felt the stakes of that at any sort of point. So it wasn't like I was actually worried the world was going to end if they didn't stop him. Yeah, because they also just like, Starro just stopped going after the Suicide Squad. Yeah, like, he, did. He, yeah. Sent, he sent a bunch of starfish out to like take over the whole military and all of them, but then they shot all the stars down and Starro just like, okay, I'm going to go smash some things now. Yeah. I'm going to walk somewhere. Yeah. And obviously, like, the 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 city is getting destroyed as he's walking through. But for a movie that was really deliberately over-the-top violent, I was kind of surprised they didn't at any point really emphasize the collateral damage nature of this. I mean, I I think I think part of the problem with, with DC is they've written themselves into this, this space where everything's kind of a mess. So, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see how these characters, as essentially villains or these criminals are a little bit less concerned with collateral damage than say Batman and Superman. Everyone else would be. The problem is, is in this very ill-defined universe, we've seen Batman and Superman not care about the collateral damage. So that contrast wouldn't play here in any sort of meaningful way, nor do we see that the destruction has any sort of stakes to it or cost to it whatsoever. So what does it matter if they stop it? I think that would have been a great joke for them mm, to bring in. Yeah, actually. Because, because that is like, there are a few, very few moments of David Ayer's suicide squad. I'll rephrase that. Of Warner Brothers Suicide Squad, directed by David Ayer. <laughs> um, yes. That they like are good comedy beats, and I think when Harley like breaks into the jewelry store just to grab something out of the window display, mm-hmm. and like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm a bad guy. The bad guys. And like, I think, I think that would have been a great moment to like criticize Warner. Bro- I criticize the DCEU, where one of them steals something out of a space. And like, what are you doing? Or like, he breaks something. You know, someone breaks something for no reason. Yeah. He's like, why are you doing that? He's like, well, you know, because because we can. We're villains. And then you know, Ratcatcher being like, no, I mean, Batman did that a while ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Batman drove through our house. <laughs> yeah, just ran over people. Yeah, ran over their faces. <sighs> yeah, it. Uh, <sighs> there were a lot of things I did like. I will say, I think for the most part, the characters really did well done. I think you even said like you feel like this is maybe the second best version of Harley we've seen of the, of the three Harley movies. Yeah. This is the second, I mean, yeah, this is the second best. Yeah. Behind birds of prey, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think for the most part, she's handled pretty well. I love King shark. He's incredible. He, he steals the movie. Yeah. It's Sylvester Sloan as King shark. The, the casting you never knew you needed until this. He's great. John Cena as peacemaker is so funny. And him pitting up against Idris. Yes. Is Big Driss Elba. Yeah. Is so much fun. The I think one of the standout sequences of the whole thing is when they are trying to rescue Rick Flagg from an enemy camp. And uh, Idris Elba's uh, Bloodsport, who's basically the exact same thing as Deadshot, 
um, down to like the character motivation. Like he and John Cena's peacemaker are competing to see who can more like who can get better kills. Yeah, who can do the coolest kill shot. Yeah, which is a very funny sequence. But what makes it work is the button at the end. They finally find Rick, and he's sitting having a conversation because he's with the the rebels of the island, and they've just killed all of them. Yes, they destroyed <laughs> the entire rebellion. The entire rebel army they've wiped out. Like that to me. That's James Gunn right that there. That was incredible. That's super fun and funny. Um, that was one of the standout sequences. I liked. I thought the 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 romance with Harley and the 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 president felt a little bit weird. That version of the character in modern comics, I think, would just like sleep with this guy, and then when realize he's kind of a loon, just shoot him. A fun, surprising moment, but maybe at the cost of a more interesting story that could be told there, or more character development. Yeah, because. Harley Harley's great, but she needs someone to play off of. Yeah, yeah. And for the majority of this movie, she's by herself. And like she's still great because like Margot Robbie is incredible. Uh, one of the best comic book character castings I think of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. But they just they they don't give her anything to do. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a case where, you know, like those are things like, oh, like someone understood the assignment, right? Like an actor understood the assignment. Margot Robbie, I think, really gets Harley. I just don't know if DC broadly speaking and the writers and directors on these movies necessarily get her right yeah i i think birds of prey was the closest where she was so close to the source material yeah exactly here i think it, she's pretty good but maybe not a hundred percent of the way there i i think so yeah but I mean, you know i i mostly liked it it, it just it's not one that i'm gonna be super compelled to go back and revisit anytime soon right I think it's one of those, like, you know, if we go back to cable days, if it's on, I'd probably keep it on. Yeah. Uh, if there's nothing else to watch in an airplane, I'll probably turn it back on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If it's on, like, I might watch, like, the first hour, and then when it starts to kind of get boring, I'm like, eh, I'm just going to yeah. walk away. Because the opening sequence is so much fun. It's so ridiculous. It's kind of exactly what we all expected, <clears throat> was just everyone dies immediately. Yeah. I was, like, I was actually kind of sad about some of them. So was I. I know. I mean, again, this is full spoilers, folks, so don't be mad when we say, that, like, they kill Captain Boomerang. Yeah. Very quickly. And he was the best part of Suicide Squad. They killed all of the returners from Suicide Squad, minus Harley, and they knock out Viola Davis. Yeah, exactly. They knock out Amanda Waller, but otherwise, you know, there's the only two that live through. But yeah, in the end, they, they kill Rick Flagg. I feel like at least his character arc and his ultimate death were earned yes like it is actually like i think they did a much better job portraying him as like a likable interesting heroic person in this they did in the last one and so when he dies you're actually sad and also the the other characters like him too and so they're sad when he goes Mm -hmm. um but yeah i felt like maybe with just so much death right at the beginning and happening so quickly and so flippantly that the subsequent deaths maybe lost some impact or you kind of lost that idea of like, Oh, anyone could die at any moment. You're like, well, no, like everyone died and now everyone else is probably going to make it through until the third act. Right. Cause I feel like with that exact point, Harley made it clear that like those were her friends. Yeah. And by the end, like she is almost unaffected. Like she has a scene where she's like, Oh man, Captain Boomerang, he was my friend. He's gone. Oh man, Rick flag. We were friends. He's gone. But then immediately after that, she's fine. Yeah. And I, I feel like she needed to grieve for us to understand the, like, the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it just, it just wasn't quite there at the end of it. 
Um, I mean, I, uh, okay, here's a question. Would you want to see James Cunn come back and do another Suicide Squad movie? Here's the thing. Or just even would you want another Suicide Squad movie? I, I would. Uh, I think we, we brought it up last night. I think <clears throat> these are great to sprinkle in every like three years. Yeah. Especially if they're going to keep the other movies so unnecessarily serious. We need these palate cleansers. Yeah, it's true. Um, at this point, I, I blame Warner Brothers more than anybody else. Yeah. I don't think this is James Gunn's movie. I think this is... He pitched ideas, they pitched ideas. Both sides were kind of headstrong, and we met in a muddled middle ground. I think that's fair, yeah. And that is kind of the problem that every one of these movies has. Yeah, they just don't have the the creative vision that's like really shepherding them through. Mm-hmm. And, and I think... <clears throat> I think Mar- it's hard to compare. It's Im- like it's impossible not to compare these things, especially when James Gunn is famous for making Guardians and Guardians 2. And I think Guardians 2 is a little bit of a mess sometimes. But Guardians 1, I still maintain, is one of the best in all it's the a MCA movies. It's, it's super fun. It's full of heart. You really care about the characters. It's it's really funny. The final action set piece is like a little bit in that cliched space, but feels unique and distinct. It's impossible not to compare these. I think one of the, one of the things that Marvel does so well is they will include a character in a kind of offhand way, but do it in a do it cleverly. Like I Marvel would know how to make Starro the villain, and even if they don't make him like the massive threat that he is in the comics, they would know how to include it in such a way that it still felt satisfying that he was included. Almost like we get what this character is meant to be. We're going to acknowledge it enough, but do something different to kind of find a nice happy ground on this. And I feel like DC is kind of like, uh, whatever. Sure. Just throw him in. I, I, yes. I, I wonder, I have two, two quick ending thoughts. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's almost the curse of guardians mm. where like James wants to have these like funny beats in there, but they're too paralleled. Mm, okay. Uh, where it's like, oh man, like Star is here. What if someone pitches like a really dumb, like, you, you know, they send King Shark to go eat and he's just like, no, I'm full. Yeah. Uh, you know, like funny beats and like, well, then it's, you know, a little too close to mm, maybe. Peter Quill doing a <clears throat> dance battle. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but with, with like Starro, I, cause he does, there's like one offhand line of like, oh, I just missed the stars. Mm-hmm. Like you guys brought me here. Yeah. Where it's almost like they're all fighting and then Starro kind of looks up and just starts like floating up back to space and like, oh, he's just, going home yeah but then the comedy button is you see like harley on one side and king shark on the other running towards him and harley's still like trying to stab the eye and king shark's like trying to eat the hand Mm -hmm. and they're like they don't have comps like how do we tell them like (laughs) like, how do we tell them he's not a threat anymore like guys get off leave me (laughs) yeah i I think you're right i think something like that would have been would have been funny but look I, i will say this i think if you haven't seen it, in which case, why are you still listening to us? <laughs> yes, we've ruined everything. Seriously. But, like, I, I think it's a movie that you go in for the characters, you stay for the characters, while knowing that, like, in the end, you may not be totally satisfied with how it goes. Yes. But I think at the end of the day, like, he did know how to write most of these characters pretty well in a fun way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what will make me go back and, like, want to revisit pieces of it is is for the characters. Yes. And we do have the John Cena show. Coming, coming out. And out. I'm, I'm excited for that. Yes. Which will live in this universe. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And whether it's before or after, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know. They um, set it up where it can be either. Could be either, of course. post credit scene. Yes. Always need them. Um, but yeah, that's our plug for the week. Yeah. So overall, decent. Yeah, it was 
good. Yeah. Didn't, as you can tell, didn't need a full episode on it. Did not. Did not. All right. Well, I, oh, I guess we used to do that, didn't we? We used to do full episodes. <laughs> I yeah. forgot about that. Who has time? Who has time anymore? Um, all right. But I think that does it for us this week. We will be back next week with some more Justin Limited. In this case, it'll be Ultimatum with the Ultimen. And then uh, Dark Heart, which sees the return of whatever that alien technology was from Secret Origins. Ooh. I don't remember if it has a name or not. I don't remember any of these episodes. Doesn't matter. It's, uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good time. So that's what we'll be back with uh, on our next episode. But until then, uh, thank you for listening. You can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. And uh, we have been getting in some notes, but like I said, I spent most of my prep for this oh, episode man. writing that intro up front, and I didn't really have time to dive into the notes. So I promise I excited that for notes. next episode we will do a proper notes from friends section and uh, read out some of the lovely messages we've been receiving from people upon our return to the podcast airwaves wonderful yes uh but yes if you would like to be included in that like i said tim talk pod facebook twitter instagram and gmail twitter and instagram probably being the best place to go but we also get comments on uh youtube and over gmail so oh nice yeah you know the more places you guys send me messages the more work it'll be for me that'd be great yes yes If you guys don't like these intros, <laughs> send him messages, flood his time. Yes, I, I said that, but no, I, I love getting the messages. That's one of the best part of doing this. So that will be back next week. Um, and you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, uh, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore Adventures. On Instagram and only on Instagram, because fuck any other site. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. It's fair. I mean, even Instagram's pretty shitty, but, you know, I'm yeah. here. Yeah, we, we tolerate it. Yeah, it's all right. All right, well, boom, boom, boom. That is it. Uh, until, until then, bye, Thanks, everybody. Guys. Bye. Okay, I think I got it this time. You got it this time? I think I got it, yeah. Beautiful. You did it. Or, and so off key. <laughs> Who cares? No one.